Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for sending your Son to knit us together into one body that you build up into a holy temple for your Spirit to dwell. Lord, as we dig deep into your word this morning, we would ask that you break it small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray. Amen. When I was a kid in high school, going out for freshman football, I wanted to be the biggest guy on the team. I wanted to be the strongest. I was never going to be the fastest, but I knew that at least I could try and be the strongest. And there's a certain element of machismo, right, that comes in wanting to make sure we can prove our strength. And so on the day before I was supposed to leave for a trip with my high school youth group, my buddies and I decided to max out on the bench press. And all I can remember is wanting to feel like this the whole rest of the weekend because sometimes we take on more weight than we can actually bear and we keep placing it further and further and further upon our shoulders. Because we want to show everyone else just how strong we are. We want to demonstrate our strength, whether that is physical strength or whether that is emotional or moral strength. We want to know that everyone else knows that we aren't weak. I would invite you this morning to turn to our epistle lesson from Ephesians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he is addressing issues of division. And right out of the gates In verse 11 and 12, he reminds these Gentile believers, these new Christians, how weak they were. See, he uses the phrase, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. He uses this as a noun by what is called the circumcision, again, as a noun. In other words, remember how all of those Jewish Christians used to look down on you because you weren't one of them? Remember how they would shame you because your body looked different than theirs? The devil's old tactic of body shaming still to this day stings. 
And while we can spend a whole sermon or a whole series talking about body image as individuals, today we are talking about it in terms of the body of Christ. You see, God's chosen people, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, used to be able to be identified by their flesh. Very literally, they had been cut apart. There was a shedding of blood, a cutting of flesh that marked them as this covenant people of God. But the Apostle Paul uses language that is very specific this morning. And he goes on to say in verse 12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Now what Paul appears to be doing here is hearkening them back to an even deeper narrative than the one that they are experiencing on the surface. He's calling them all the way back to creation, all the way back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where God shapes man out of the dust of the earth and says, let us make him in our image. Not in the image of other men, but rather in the Imagio Dei, the image of God. Our identity has never been tied to our flesh. The effect of the law is to demonstrate our inadequacy. See, there is this law-gospel balance where we proclaim the gospel to those who are burdened by their sin and need that weight lifted from their shoulders to hear the words of forgiveness proclaimed. And then we proclaim the law to those who are comfortable in their offenses who see no shame or no sin or no reason to repent. And the law holds up our inadequacy and says, you are not ever going to be good enough. And if we stop there, we are like the way that Paul describes these Gentiles, these uncircumcised people has been Separated, alienated, having no hope, and without God in the world. But in fact, the effect of the laws to demonstrate our inadequacy, to remind us that faith in our flesh leaves us empty. leaves us feeling like we're never 
strong enough. We're never pretty enough. We're never handsome enough. We're never enough. Never pure enough. We're never righteous enough. So that we face the temptation. That we then measure everyone else up against our own insecurities. We measure everyone else against a broken benchmark. And it becomes a game of comparison and contrast of how much folks look like us or how much they don't. Now remember here that we're talking about the body of Christ. But for some it also hits home as an individual as well. The temptation to judge the measure of God's grace in someone else's life comes down to our own insecurity. The whole Christian church in Paul's day wrestled with this issue constantly. These Jewish Christians who had been raised in the Jewish faith and they had upheld the Jewish law and they had done everything right. They had been circumcised on the eighth day. They had followed all the dietary laws. They had done everything. And then when they saw these Gentile believers just step up to the front of the line, they would say, whoa, wait a minute here. You haven't suffered the way that we have. You haven't worked the way that we have. They wrestled with the issue of what they required of someone to consider them a member of Christ's body. The incarnation of Christ, this coming in the flesh, is for every heartbeat in humanity. And for every creature in the kingdom. And binds our identity to his flesh instead of our own. This body is being built up together. The Apostle Paul doesn't mince words and he doesn't say things by accident. But in fact he writes with great intentionality. And so as he describes the way that there is no room for hostility, he actually goes as far as to say that Christ kills that hostility. That there is no place for hostility from hospitality within the church. It's not our house. And when we place all of these requirements around what it means to be a member, what we qualify as a believer, that's the equivalent of somebody coming into your house and then determining who you are allowed to let in. This isn't our house. The church 
is a body and not a building. The building is nothing more than a means to an end, and God dwells in the body and not the bricks around it. Christ abolishes every division within his flesh and builds our old perishable bodies into a body that is eternal and absolute. But bodybuilding is more than just flexing your muscles. I'm never going to look like this. I'm not made to. But we like to flex our muscles and we like to show how strong we are, how well we are to do. But strength comes from being stretched and trained and tested by God himself. The gospel stretches us beyond our comfort zones. This is that part of scripture where Jesus says, The lion shall lie down with the lamb. So that within the body of Christ, the folks that we gather with are not defined by their brokenness. One of the things that I love about this place is that we don't really care who you are. We're just happy you're here. I tell people that the difference between Alaskan hospitality and Southern hospitality is the pretense. In Alaskan hospitality, you have a place at the table just because you need one. There's no other assumptions made. We're just happy you're here with us. For the privilege and the joy of joining in life together. That our brokenness and our struggle against sin is bound up together with yours. And in fact, if you have a place here, then so do I. Paul writes, So then, in verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. When the gateway arch was built in St. Louis, They built each leg independently, one from the other, and they had to make sure that they built it just the right way so that when they got to the very top and they placed that last piece in, everything lined up accordingly. And I remember standing at the foot of the arch as a kid and looking up at how tall it was and my grandfather standing beside us, and he goes, 
You know, when they put that last piece in, I had an invitation to be up there while they did it. He goes on to say, well, but I had kids and I started thinking differently about my life choices at that point. But the thought is had that what if they got to the top and they tried to put that last piece in and it didn't fit and the whole thing came crumbling down around them. You see, the way that the Apostle Paul writes about this killing of hostility, Christ actually bridges the past, the present, and the future between the old covenant and the new. And that if you take Christ out of the middle of that, the whole thing comes crumbling down around us. It's all about Jesus. God calls us to wrestle through his word where he trains us up as his body and strengthens us to be faithful for the sake of something bigger than ourselves. In other words, you can't go jumping in to save someone from drowning unless you know how to swim first. And a one-off workout here and there doesn't do anything to build up the body and in fact only makes you frustrated and sore. So we need routine. And we need accountability and we need folks who gather around with us to support and encourage and to hold us to that standard that is set for us in the gospel. And so God gives us his church so that we have a place to come and gather and be fed and nourished and given all of the benefits of his grace through word and sacrament. The church is where God stows the, bestows the benefits of that training. We are strengthened in Christ for those seasons when our faith is tried and tempted and tested. You see, the foundation of our faith was laid even before the bedrock of creation was established. And because of Christ, our roots run as deep as eternity. And we need that foundation in faith for when the body is battered and bruised and beaten. But bodybuilding is a lifelong endeavor and God spends the entirety of our life doing all of the heavy lifting so that by the grace of God, we all have a place within his body. The theme of Paul's writing and preaching is that he says, if I've got a place, then so do you. So that Christ stands as the cornerstone of contradictions and the God of all grace. That sinner would be made saint, citizen 
and son and daughter of God. That which makes us different from the rest of the world also makes us the same within his body. So that through the breaking of his own body on the cross, Christ destroyed the hostility that would have otherwise consumed ours. We talk about hostility in terms of that which we experience between one another. But in this case, this is a hostility that God has towards sin. Christ steps in between. So that we are a work in progress. As Paul writes, together being built up into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.